This is episode number 184. How does culture fit into diversity and inclusion? With Joe Motes. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lokid, and this is the Overcoming Odds podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to make a few quick announcements. First one being an invitation to our upcoming call called Courageous Conversations. This is something that we started a few months ago with the intention of bringing our community even closer, as well as creating a space for each and every single one of us to be able to not only better understand ourselves, but also those that are walking next to us. If you would like to know more details about any of these upcoming calls, please leave us a message through our website at overcomingodds.today. The second announcement that I'd like to make is in regard to our upcoming event called Survive to Thrive, A Parent's Journey. This is an experience that we've been wanting to put together for a few months by now with the intention of creating a space for other parents to be able to come together and relate as well as understand each and every single one of the journeys that they've been on as well as the lessons and the takeaways that they've learned through the hardship including COVID-19, as well as some of the other circumstances. If you'd like to know more details about this upcoming experience, please visit our website at overcomingodds.today forward slash events. The last thing that I would like to mention is if you have liked any of the previous episodes and continue to enjoy the content that we put out there, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google, so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. Joe, welcome to the show. Hey, Oleg. Thanks for having me here. Absolutely. This is our take two for those that are tuning in. <laughs> take Dude. two. I feel like we've had three podcasts. We had a pre-podcast, <laughs> and then a podcast, and then my internet went down, and then we are going to get this out to the world, whatever this yeah. is. Yeah, we're going to get it done, whatever it takes, whatever the way we got to do it. (laughs) We're going to find the way and persevere. And I think the other thing that I'll say is that, you know, it it wouldn't be overcoming odds if there were no odds to overcome. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And, and, you know, we're talking more of a a functional and, and technical question here, but maybe the odds that we are overcoming is simply finishing the conversation. There you go. There you go. Maybe that. Yeah. That's a, that's a good way of looking at it. But so I remember the conversation we started in the pre-podcast and then we were trying to have during the first podcast. And now I want to have this during the second version or the third iteration, whichever iteration we're on right now. Right. But it really revolved around this concept of culture and how it plays within the diversity and inclusion space. Mm-hmm. Because... In my opinion, I think that part is something that doesn't get discussed. Right. It, it, it's the conversation about diversity and inclusion, but it's not the conversation about the culture. 
and understanding like what is the culture fit, you know, because, and I'm, I'll be curious to even hear your perspective and maybe this is a way that we can start up this dialogue, but in regard to diversity, to me, it's so much more than the color of your skin. It's also, you know, the thought, it's the background, it's the lived experience, the education, the Mm -hmm. list goes on and on. And I think sometimes we miss that point, maybe because we're not introduced to it, or we thought we're taught to think of diversity as just the color of your skin. And um, why do you think that is like, what's your, what's your perspective on that? Yeah, I I, I think you're spot on in everything you just said, right? Um, So, so just before I dive into it, to answer your question, I think it's just because from, from the years that we started talking about this, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever decade we, we can narrow this down to where, where this came on the scene. Some say the Civil Rights Act, others say an earlier kind of decade. But we've been trained, our minds have been trained to put optics when we hear the word diversity and automatically tie it to, say, a color of your skin or the race and ethnicity, even race and ethnicity, you know, to me in conversation are completely out of the context of what they really mean, because really what what ethnicity and race have to do with is culture, right? And I I have, um, over the past several weeks, really taken myself to, to culture school and and in our previous conversations, I gave the shout out and the credit uh, due to a guy by the name of Ricardo Gonzalez, who has um, really created this, this kind of culture mastery and culture education around, around culture, <laughs> right? And, and you're right, you know, culture's way deeper than, than the optics and, and our skin color, right? You know, I wrote some things down here. Cultures are our beliefs, our values. They are our languages, our norms that we, mm-hmm. that we consider um, normal in, in yeah. our society. And, you know, sometimes people don't realize this, but it's also symbols, right? And, and that plays a, a lot of a part. A, a, that plays a part a lot when we think about things like religion and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the, the question that you and I have been working through the past several times is, you know, what, what role does understanding culture and how it affects the workplace, how does that impact creating true inclusion, mm-hmm. right? And I think that leaders of organizations, and even us as society, right, from, from let's take it outside of the, the organizations and the companies, we have to start approaching inclusion and diversity get away from the optics of it and understand that we are dealing with culture um, and endearment, right? And, and culture, cu- culture issues or understanding culture. We all have to get to the mindset to where we are wanting to become culture masters, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I think it also, you bring up a really good point and that's taking individual responsibility and accountability for our own actions. I I know that, especially right now, and by the time this episode gets released, it'll be very close to the next election. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's really interesting to even look at that time, because it makes me think of this concept that, in my opinion, some or maybe many, whatever that number looks like, we put so much emphasis on that one individual, 
you know, to solve a lot of our problems that we face. When in reality, it's like, yes, they may play a role and yes, they may influence things. But I mean, let's face it, has the president ever come into the place where I reside and made me a sandwich? No. Have they ever paid the bill directly? No. So there, there is a lot to be said between choosing to take individual responsibility in building the more inclusive culture, mm. even outside yeah. of the workplace. Yeah. And I think that's another thing that maybe we can touch upon is that, in my opinion, I think far too often we'll look at these organizations, you know, to solve, quote unquote, all the problems that we face. When in reality, it's like it, we're all in the same playground. The leaders oh, yeah. are, and we can also be a leader. We can also make change. We can also step up and, and act. It's not only about the CEO. It's not only right. about the vice president. It's also about the janitor. It's also about bystanders that yeah. see and observe what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would completely agree with that, Oleg. And, and here's the thing, right? I think a lot of us understand what you just said in the aspect of, yeah, one person can't fix this, right? I mean, we've been around for 200 plus years as a country and no president has come in and made this utopia. And it's the same for other countries, right? We'll never get there, right? Uh, As far as that goes. Um, But I think us realizing that it's our our personal responsibility is where the majority of us stop, right? What I have been a really big advocate for, and I've been talking a lot about this with, with some people, I think Sage and I had a, a great conversation around this. Um, is I identify as an ally and an advocate for diversity, right? I'm a white male. I'm from Northeast Georgia. <laughs> I sound like a white male from Northeast Georgia. I'm the last person you would think to be the DNI guy. But I am very specific and intentional in my allyship and my responsibility to be better. And outside of what I just said, I put a framework around that. Right. Mm. I've developed, you know, I use I overuse the word for uh, phase, but a four phase approach uh, around my allyship, advocacy or self-development. And for me, that's connection, communication, education and action. Right. Those four things. And it's one of the reasons I started a, a podcast. It's one of the reasons I I volunteer and I love coming on shows and having this connection and converse, conversation that educates me. And helps. I'm not out there. How can I say this? I'm not out there to change all of my internal beliefs and perspectives, right? But if I'm an ally, I am saying I'm standing in solidarity with either either a marginalized group or or some segment of diversity. And I understand because I'm not that marginalized group that there is a great deal of education, conversation, and connection that I have to actively make. I have to do something. I have to take action and do it right. And I think as a majority, we have to move past the words of saying, yeah, it's, you know, I, I have a part in this. And then what you want to go ride a bike, right? They just, their mind right. just goes off to something else. Right. Right. So I, I have found over the past, I would say two years that I have been intentional. I have grown so much personally in my journey and how I view inclusion and just this whole thing. And I wonder since it's been so beneficial for someone like myself and maybe for others, how cool would it be if thousands of people were doing that, right? Yeah. What do you think your personal ceiling is for trying to advocate on behalf of an experience that you may not have had yourself just yet? 
Yeah. So when you say ceiling, you, you, you like, kind of mean kind of my limit, right? Yeah. Like I mean, where I, I've always tried to understand that, like yeah. in, in advocating on behalf of different groups and experiences, I mean, there's a, there's a point, at least in my experience, there's a point where I come to where I just don't understand, you know, because right. I haven't walked right. the, the journey in those shoes. And, and there it becomes, it's like, what is that thing in some of these fields? And then from yep. there, what do you do? That's where I think yeah. maybe the quote unquote inaction, or I'm just going to go ride a bike and do the next thing becomes, <laughs> you know, it becomes more prominent because yeah. you, you look at it and it's like, I don't know what to do. That's right. You can't change who you are. You can't change the color of your skin or the, the experience, your life experiences. You are, you are given this lot in life and we, we each have to live it. And mm-hmm. so there's two things on that. One thing is I recognize I do have limits into what I can one speak on and two say, I understand right now. I'm a father of five, right? Five boys. Kids, <laughs> oh boy. Right? <laughs> I have never in my life, thank God, knocking on wood, and I'm going to go a little morbid here, so so bear with me a little gram. I've never lost a child, right? But I have many friends, several friends, who have who've actually lost a child, an adopted child, a stepchild, or something like that. One thing I never say when I go to console them or, or you know, be with them is, I understand what you're going through. And it's the same, and, and, and most of us understand that you don't, you wouldn't say that in the situation, right? So my question is, or not my question, but what I pay attention to is that that thought process. And when say I'm talking to one of my, you know, black or African American friends or or Latino friends, and you know, all the all the emotions they're going through right now when I'm having conversations, I would will never say, I understand what you're going through, right? Because they'll understand that's well meaning, but it will have no merit to to what I'm going to say to them. Mm. into how I, I can value that. Now, on the on the flip side of that, there are things that I can absolutely be a rock star in and in my allyship and in my support, right? And I'm going to jump back into the company and the organization side, right? I look like most of the CEO and ex, uh, the executive staff, right? It's a lot easier sometimes for a person like myself to be listened to and even get a seat at the table. I understand that mm. and I recognize that. So I place a high value on that and I ensure any chance I get to be impactful, informative and, and leverage that for the, the benefit or the growth of inclusion and diversity in the workplace or, or in a societal standpoint, I'm activating on it, I'm actioning on it and I'm paying attention to that. So there's two ways you know, to answer your question there, understanding my limits and being very mindful in the words I use in sensitive situations. And on the flip side, taking what I, I can really make an impact in and doing it and making an impact. Does that answer your question? Oleg? It does. And it's a really good point because I, it makes me think of the times where I would be in certain situations and I would say, I understand when in reality, or it, it, there's, there's certain phrases that in my opinion have just kind of caught their own, um, rhythm, frequency, whichever you want to look at it, where they no longer get questioned, you right. know? And so like we say, we're sorry when in reality, it's like, what are you sorry about? Or in that case, yeah. it's like, I understand. And it's like, yeah. well, do you really understand? Or do you relate 
Is that yeah. a better term or, or even in the situation where I'll come into it and I have no idea, but yet have the urgency to say something when in reality there, yeah. nothing needs to be said. Yeah. And, and, and even I'm sitting here thinking my mind's going now. Uh, I have grenade brain. <laughs> so like all these things come out. So last night about 1115, I watched your YouTube Ted talk, right. Mm -hmm. About your story. Right. And for those listening, if you haven't listened to that, you, you absolutely have to. And um, I'm getting a little choked up now thinking about some of the, the things that you were talking about, but my childhood was, was, was rough but it was a different kind of rough. So if I'm talking to you and you're sharing with me and being vulnerable about something that happened in your childhood, I know I did not go through that. And I would never say, Oh, I understand what you're going through. What I would say in turn is I can understand that caused you some pain and some hardship, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and we, we can all identify with that because if somebody's being vulnerable and open with us, it's a basic easy or should be a basic human thing to say, you know what? I feel your pain and I understand you're going through that. And I'm here for you. Right. Without feeling the need to relate or worse. Yeah. Bring it, bring it back on ourselves and make it about us. Start talking about us. Yeah. Um, so no, I just wanted to share that. And again, your story was, it was, it was moved. It was, it was probably midnight by the time I, I got through or almost midnight and I sent it to my wife and she watched it. <laughs> so uh, she came in it. here and we're sitting in here a little after midnight, just talking about this. Mm -hmm. And, um, but anyway, I know we're getting a little bit off topic, but I just wanted to kind of use that as an example. And I think it's a good point as well, because it's something that I've learned even in those situations of having to come in and, and it's a conditional way of thinking, right? Yeah choosing to break the thought pattern and say, Hey, I don't understand what you were going through, but I can understand what it might've caused um, or exactly. I can relate. And I don't know if that goes back to maybe the tendency for some of us as human beings to just fill in the, the silence with something because yeah. I mean, I don't know what your experience has been and I'll be curious to hear it, but in regard to this quote unquote awkward silence, like that's a thing, you know, and, and, based on the conversations that I've had, however many by now, some people struggle with silence yeah. because yeah. they feel like there's a need to fill in that space with something that needs to be said. Mm, yeah. And I get curious about that. Like, why is it like that? I mean, it, it goes back into even the same thing in regard to listening, listening to respond compared to listening to understand huge difference, yeah. like oh, a night cute. and day. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. It happens. Could. My wife could share a, a, a volume on that. Um, no, I, I think it's, I think it's human nature to want to respond and fix something. Right. I think when we hear something, we, and, and, and we notice it as an issue or an uncomfortable thing for us to hear and for someone to go through, I think we feel like we, we have to say something because we can't actually do something. I can't go back and change your childhood for you and, you know, have you be born into an amazing family. You know, I, I can't do that for you, but, you know, I, I feel like I have to say something, right? Yeah. I feel like I, versus just letting, letting us both go through the emotions and feel because what that does is makes it, it, it forces me to be vulnerable to a point that I may not be ready either in our conversation and our relationship that I may not be ready to be that vulnerable with you, to just sit with you in silence, to sit with you and, and shed tears, to just sit and share 
well, the silence. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's kind of kind of my thoughts around that. Do you think we're born with that mindset of wanting to fix things, or is that a something yeah. that we cultivate over time? I, I I personally think, I think it's something that that that's a little bit biological, right? So when we get hungry, we feel something. We have to eat, right? We have to take action. When we get hurt, we need more than just, uh, or when we're a kid and we get hurt, we need more than just a band-aid or stitches or, or medicine. We need comfort. We need yeah. somebody to come in and make us feel something, right? And those outside of us, when we're sick, like our moms or dads or our spouses or whatever, feel the need they have to take action. Again, I, I think it's a, I think there's a degree of it that's biological and there's a degree of it that's learned, right? Um, mm-hmm. That's actually a really good question. <clears throat> I would probably have to formulate a, a better answer or thought around that, but for face value, that's, that's what I think. Yeah. I've, I've been curious about it because the other thing that it got me curious was in regard to fixing and helping it's, it seems that it's easier to help or fix someone else than fix or help yourself. Oh yeah. And that's where I just got curious. It's like, where does that come from? Like, why is that? It's same thing. I mean, literally pick a topic. It's the same oh, yeah. exact thing. It's easier same to love process. someone or something else than to love yourself. You yeah. know, like I, I, I've, I've proved this to myself throughout my own lived experience. And I just get curious, like, why is it like that? Is, you know, are we born that way? Or is that something that we cultivate over time? Um, do other experiences, do other people teach us that, that, Hey, yeah. it's not about you. It's about them, but yeah. like, it can't be about them unless you take care of yourself first. It, That's right. Airplanes is like a perfect analogy. Seriously, I look at that all the time. You know, put the mask on yourself before you put on anyone else. Oh yeah, yeah. Why do we not carry that into like literally every other structure yeah. in the world? Yeah. Beyond yeah. the fight. Yeah, it's just as critical, right? Um, I think it just blew my mind a little bit here. I um, I completely agree with everything you just said. I I think that. Well, maybe now that I, I think about it and you put it like this, maybe it is learned. Maybe it's more learned than more bi- than biological, right? Mm. To the answer of your, your last question, because yeah, we're always ingrained to think about other people. Uh, in relationships, we tend to want to make others happy before ourselves, right? We all get in the self, uh, most of us yeah. get in this, this self-sacrificing thing, whether it's, you know, a husband, wife, uh, you know, somebody you're dating, family members, our parents, right? We always want to make our parents proud of us. Um, may not even be something we're even interested in doing, right? Appeals <laughs> to us at Been all, there. <laughs> uh, right? So it's, you know, I think it may be a lot learned, you know? I, I love that perspective and, and how you you brought this kind of to fruition here. Um, and it's hard to tell the difference, I mean, at this point, and that's another thing maybe that's within the, the human gene or experience, yeah. and that's wanting to know the answer, you know, wanting to, yeah. to know the origin and yeah, even everything, in this case, right? yeah, like and, everything. And this, this is where I, I, I separate from normal stuff, right? Normal thought processes is when it comes to the, uh, wanting and needing to know the origin of everything there's some things i want to know the origin to if my house burns down i want to know what caused the fire right if my kids are failing in school i want to know what the cause of it is right what what are they struggling with and 
and you're a very deep thinker and a deep talker, Oleg, and you, you may not be able to comprehend what I'm about to say, but I do not have to live the rest of my life, the next 40 years, 50 years. I'm being very, very, uh, wood. <laughs> yeah, very lenient here with this, uh, or maybe I'm overachieving in my expectations here, but I don't need to know the, the reason for being or the origin of why I'm here. I don't need to know any of that, right? I need to know what's going on right now and in this moment, right? And, and I don't why think, do you think that's biological. Is? Right, exactly. I, I, I don't know. I don't know why I feel that way because this is, this is something that I've evolved into. So and I'm just, I'm, I'm going to talk about religion just for a couple mm-hmm. minutes, right? So I spent half of my life very religious, right? I have a college degree from the largest evangelical college on the planet. Um, I, I needed, I felt like I needed to know like what's going to happen after all this, right? But over time, because I, the, the things that I saw that, you know, within religion and, and just how it was kind of making me into a person that I knew I really wasn't, not so much biologically, but just kind of mentally and prospectively, I, I evolved to the point where it doesn't matter what's kind of after all this, because if I'm focusing on that, I'm missing what's right here in front of me today. Mm-hmm. I'm not maximizing my day. Um, Diana Rao, she is the CEO and founder of Veterati and Twine. And her and I did this, our, our, we're getting ready to do this challenge where every day for, I think it was 10 days we were talking about, we wake up and the first thing we say is today's our last day on earth. Prioritize, prioritize your day and go. And when I was kind of in, in that religious mindset and things like that, I found myself not really prioritizing like, like I knew I wanted to. So again, I, I don't want to go off deep into dogma and have a religious conversation or anything, but that's kind of what I mean. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I get curious though, in regard to that statement of waking up and looking at it through the lens of if this is your last day, do you believe in the fact that the more you say it, the higher the chances of it happening? Ah, uh, well, let's hope not. Cause I <laughs> actually mentally tried to try to, uh, do Cause that. you do manifest. I mean, yeah. I believe yeah, in that. I mean, we, we manifest yeah. things and yeah, there's, there's things that I, I, I don't know if you can physically manifest something into your life by words, right? Like, a, a, like I, I'm afraid, or today I'm going to die in a car accident and I do that every day for 10 days. And then one day I do die in a car accident. I don't know how much of that is coincidence or maybe I did speak it. I don't know. But what I think can happen is if I were to do that, say for a month, year, two years, three years, every day, tell myself that I might lose some of the uh, preciousness mm-hmm. of life, right? And it would end up negating what I wanted it to do. So, and it's already hard enough to live in the now, at least from my experience. It is. You know, it's. It's. It is. It, I was having a conversation like this with a friend of mine, and we were talking about this uh, time as a concept, and how in Western culture, it, it's time it's just it's always about you get this amount of time for this activity and then what's next and then what's next after that so even and i i was able to relate 100 i'm riding a bike and i'm not even thinking about riding a bike i'm thinking about what i have to do once i get home right right yes you know i'm yeah. walking the dog and it's like all right as soon as i get home i gotta send this email then i, I have, have this yeah. phone call it's oh, like a never-ending list 
But it's interesting because supposedly in other parts of the world, time doesn't exist in the same contract. Exactly. You know, certain yeah. parts of Africa, it's just time. It's just like you show up whenever you do whatever. And, and that's it. That yeah. Like that's what your day looks like. So I don't know. You know, I don't know what the perfect scenario is because yeah. I also look at time and maybe it's because I've lived in this culture and I think that it's a necessary component to structure, but like, yeah. I need time, you know, I yeah. need to know that uh, I can't just sleep in until 5 PM because everyone's going to be off work. So yeah. who am I going to connect with after five? Right. Yeah. yeah. No one's going to pick up the phone. I, I think you made a, a good point here. Um, and what you're talking about, because you kind of came back to culture. Maybe this is a Western thing, right? Maybe this is um, a geographic thing, yeah. right? In the way we think about, you know, our prioritizing, our, our just our way of thinking. Because, you know, I have, I have a friend in India, and some of the things that I'll, and I've been friends with him for years, and I'll have these deep kind of conversations with him. And like, why are you even stressing about that? Like what, you know, that's, that's nothing. You know, <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? It's nothing, man. It's my world. Thing. <laughs> and, and I wonder in other countries, if I would have similar conversations, right. As I expand and connect with people. And I, I believe I would, I believe it would be, you know, Joe, what do you even, why are you even putting time into that? Right? Yeah. Um, I don't know where that would stem from from or, or how we, we got to that because I, I wasn't around in the forties, the fifties, the twenties and stuff like that. But I, I would wager that life moved a lot slower back then. Um, just for the populace overall. Yeah. Right? And our thinking and the things we valued and the traditions we held and the symbols of our culture. Right. Uh-huh. Um, all, all of these things were probably, I mean, they wouldn't even recognize today. Yeah. Uh, if they showed up, right. If the 1920s went to visit 2020, right. <laughs> it wouldn't recognize, they would think they're in a foreign country. Right. Um, but it's how we've evolved. And I think it's also interesting because it, it makes me think, I remember having some conversations with my grandpa when he was alive and he was born in that time frame, And so he had, he remembers times where there was no phone. Yeah. None of that stuff. But I, I think the there's beauty in 2020 and there's also beauty in 1920, yeah. right? And so I'm, I look at it through the lens of, I mean, I'm living in 2020 and I'm thinking about some of these concepts that are quote unquote so futuristic, yeah. uh, flying cars or self-driving <laughs> vehicles, you know? Yeah. But then I also have to take a step back and say, okay, in 1920, if you would have told someone people are going to have cell phones and they can do their work life, everything from it. Yeah. You would be called crazy. Oh yeah. That wouldn't even be, you wouldn't even be able to comprehend that. Yeah. And so it just makes me think of a life moves very, very fast. Yeah. B some of these challenges that we're trying to solve in my opinion I don't think we're ever going to solve them. No. I think what's going to happen is that they just continue to evolve. That's they right. take a different shape. They take a different form. We have different I focuses. Mean, 
right? We have a yeah. different focus. You know, we're we're talking up right now. We're talking about a lot of issues when it comes to race and equality and justice. It's like that's been going on for two hundred and plus years. And why do we think anything's gonna like? We can change things. We can change the way we look at things. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, I don't think it's possible to eliminate the problem. Period. No, I. As someone who does this for a living, um, who this is my passion and my profession, I, I would agree with everything you just said right there uh, regarding, you know, racism and justice, equality. I think what's going to happen is um, in 100 years from now, what we are going to look back on this is is we, we added another tool to our mental toolkit and how we yeah. how we view or address or work on a problem. Right? We are going to leave this. And we're going to say, okay, um, killing someone because of the color of their skin is actually wrong. And that's, you know, that's, that's a no brainer. We're finally going to realize that. Um, We are going to realize that it takes effort to include everybody. Yes. Doesn't just organically happen. Right. And these are the things we're going to be thinking about a hundred years from now. It is my hope that, that we're going to be looking back and like, yeah, this, that's general knowledge. I get it. Just like the, you know, the Nike swoosh, right. We all know what that is. Um, And, and I, and I'm old enough to remember when there was no internet and the, the Nokia brick cell phones, right. I remember those. And I think just in the time that I've been alive since that existed, the things I take for granted, I'm like, yeah, that's just general knowledge. Like, yeah. And I hope that's the way we think about diversity, that it's not so much that we're having to exert the huge amount of effort to keep it going. It's just something that's part of our society. Yeah. And when I, when I say this and make these points, I'm talking not just within the U.S. and the Western culture, but I'm talking about the entire planet, right? Yeah. Because we are not focused on inclusion of – how can I say this? We're not focused on the inclusion of all countries and all people. Right now, this is a just a big focus in, you know, the industrialized nations and things like that, right? But, you know, what about, you know, all the tribes and villages out there who have their own internal cultures and stuff like that? How do we bring them into the fold? And they're way outside of any norms that we would. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're not even thinking about that, right? But we talk about inclusion. We talk about, you know, I mean, there's 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 ethnic cleansings that go on every day. And you don't even hear about that on the news. Like, that's not even on our radar right yeah. but it goes on so you know I, I hope that to get to where we want to be in 100 years in that aspect that we expand and increase over the next 100 years our our definition of what inclusion really means are we looking at this from a planet or global perspective or are we just trying to stay in our five meter zone and just the, the touch points of our life our work our family life our neighbors, the people we come in contact, because I think that's a pretty a minuscule approach and, and thought process if we are. Yeah. I also think that there are so many of the things that, uh, in my opinion, they're literally necessary components to life. You know, one of the things that I oftentimes heard in regard to suffering is that wouldn't it be nice if we had a world without suffering? In complete yeah. honesty, I wouldn't want to wonder, I would not want to live in that world. Yeah. The reason why is because like suffering gave me purpose. It gives me perspective. It's, it's anything that can shift your perspective, not only mentally, but physically, emotionally. For me, I look at that. It's like, I'm grateful for that. 
yeah. because it actually changed my makeup. It helped me see something completely different. It's one thing to read it in a book and it's like, okay, I memorized it good, but you haven't really internalized that. You yeah. know, you know, there's something about pain as painful as it is. It's also beautiful. Yeah. Cause you could sit there just like you were, you were mentioning, we can sit here and cry and afterwards feel complete clarity but that clarity wouldn't come unless we cried. Yeah. And yeah. we probably would not have cried unless we faced some, some sort of pain yeah. or re-traumatized something. So I, I think long story longer, there, there's so many things that um, I think we're trying to approach through the lens of let's eliminate it, where in reality, I think the question becomes, how do we cope with it? How do That's we right. deal with it? How do we develop another tool? Yeah. Which element of this experience do we want to focus on now and try and instead of trying to go back to the beginning of the conversation, go to the origin and cut it at the root when in reality it's like I don't even know if we're ever gonna get there. You know, life yeah. is complex as it is. Mm-hmm. Not to mention every single day you get hit with however many other additional thoughts yeah. <laughs> that you gotta figure out. And now I, it's like, wait, you're telling yeah. me I gotta go figure that one out? Okay, if let I, me go through 60,000 thoughts here. <laughs> yeah, if I had to do an inventory, I I feel like personally, I could say this statement with full honesty. I, I think it's very hard to develop true passion without a little bit of suffering, either for yourself or from others, right? I, I think true passion is born out of hardships, negative experiences, maybe a positive experience, right? Maybe it was something made you really happy. And you're like, Oh, man, like me, I, uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, well, some people don't know this, or some people know this about me. Uh, what I did in the military is I, I jumped out of planes, right? Like, that's what I did. I remember my very first jump, and I'll remember it to the day they put me in the ground. I became passionate about skydiving and in, in, in the airborne life, right? And that was an experience I would have never been passionate about had I not, you know, done it, right? And I think it's the same thing, you know, there was a lot, there's a lot of, uh, when I, growing up in, in my household, there were a lot of, a lot of abuse, alcohol, drugs, things like that. I mean, I literally remember, you know, my dad holding my mom down with a gun <laughs> in front of us. My mom was a gun runner, you know, in, in Northeast Georgia, like that's where I came from. And, and those experiences have instilled an undying passion around, um, me and, and advocacy I have for, you know, abused children. It absolutely is on my mind day to day as I'm raising my boys and, and future, you know, humans in the planet and how I enact, interact with them, especially when I get angry, right? That's a passion of mine to be the best I can be based off those experiences. Um, so no, I, I, I'm with you there. If someone said some magical being said, you know what, Joe, your wish you can have a wish of, you know, ridden the world of something. Suffering would not be it. Yeah. On the flip side of that, there's absolutely some suffering I would, right? Mm-hmm. Bone cancer in children. Are you kidding me? No, yeah. that's gone. Right. I mean, there, there are insects in this world that their entire life cycle, all they do is burrow into the human eye or the animal and mammal's eyes to make them blind. And they eat from the inside out like that. And then they die, right? Yeah. That's all they exist to do right? They're not found in anything. So things like that. Yeah. Yeah. If I, if I had the God stick, that, that stuff would be <laughs> gone, right? If I was a God and had the ability to do things, and that's probably the, the biggest difference between me and deities, I would, I would rid the world of this stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but general sadness and hardships, these things that teach us and shape us and mold us 
Mm-mm. Ah, I would stay. And and it's a part I'm of being everything. Very sympathetic to those right now, and I have to be very careful. Or actually, both of us do, mm-hmm. because there's some people who have gone through some really really bad things. You and I have gone through some things, but things like rape, right? I mean, some of these yeah. things, and you can never get that out of there. And I'm pretty sure that people like that would disagree with the statements you and I are making about suffering and things that go through, right? Yeah. So I would be, maybe the the correct statement would be, yeah, some suffering I would read, but that suffering that teaches us and shapes us and and molds us in a positive way, no. Yeah. No. Yeah, I think well put. That's a a good good reframe to how we um, introduce that because you're right. There are certain elements of suffering that, um, I guess for me, what I was trying to say, and I think you were as well, the different suffering that we've experienced um, some of it, you know, there, it, it does lead to deeper level of empathy, sympathy. Yeah. And, and it's like, there's, there's a lot to be said for it. Um, I know for a fact that we're going to have version, what are we on? 3.0, 4.0, 5.0, and, and <laughs> yes. all these others moving forward. Yeah. But we started with culture and now we're theoretically and hypothetically. There and, you go. And, yeah, and yet we're still good. connected, um, yeah. through the culture component, but, I want to give you a chance and briefly share. I know that you have a podcast of your own. I do. I know yeah. that you do a lot of work within the space of diversity and inclusion and culture. Tell us a little bit about how people can connect with you. And if you have anything that's coming up within your work that people can be a part of. Yeah, absolutely. So the the podcast is the Inclusion Cafe. Um, we actually, I actually just launched a website a couple weeks ago. It's the inclusioncafe.com. You can go there. You can listen to, uh, prior guests. You can book some time to speak with me one-on-one. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be about being a guest. If you just want to have an open discussion, much like me and Oleg had here today, I'm up for that. But the inclusion cafe, the conversations we have are mostly tailored around, how do we, as a corporate, I guess, corporate and society, create and take actions and steps to actually create inclusion? Moving past the, the words um, of, I want, to, I want to do this. Mm. I know on one of the, uh, our, our takes, we talked about that scene from the West Wing and uh, yeah. the next 10 words, right? Yes. And that's what... Um, I do as a profession and consulting and my work with my company ADP and stuff. Um, and that's what the inclusion cafe is doing is helping organizations and, and just people in us in general, moving past the words of I'm an ally. I'm an advocate. I want to do inclusion. We're passionate about it. Now, this is how we do it. What are the steps? What are the processes? What is that framework that we can personally develop? These are the types of conversations that we like having in the cafe. Yeah. Where did that come about? Tell me a brief story about the 10 words, because I think that's a really powerful thing that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if uh, how many of your listeners will remember the TV show, The West Wing. Right. And this was a television drama that, gosh, I'm going to date myself here. (laughs) uh, 1999. And I think it went to 2005 or 2006. Right. And it's, it's a drama. That's a long show. Oh, it was. It was. It had a cult following. <laughs> and I didn't start fo- watching it until after the seasons were over, right? This is late. I think I didn't start watching it until like 2011. It's still alive. <laughs> and because um, on deployment, sometimes you binge watch stuff. 
But anyway, uh, th this show is about the pre uh, you know life uh, of the president, right? His the challenges and the, just all things that that entails uh, in the White House and the presidency. So anyway, there's a scene uh, that has stayed with me for years, and it's uh, Martin Sheen who plays the president. And his character is debating the would-be usurper who is on the stage, and they're going back and forth, and the subject of raising taxes comes up, mm. right? And uh, his opponent gives that typical political kind of start back and forth. My ta our taxes are too high. We have to fix them. You know, his, ta his taxes are high. He wants to keep them that way, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Well, what stayed with me was there was a pause, that uncomfortable silence we talked about, right? And Martin Sheen's character, the president, looked over at him and said, there it is. There's the 10 words we've been looking for, right? And there was some dialogues, uh, dialogue that went back and forth. But then he finishes his thought. And he says, what are your next 10 words? How do we fix it? And it pretty much won the debate, right? Because it, what it showed was, okay, you're passionate about something. There's an issue. I got it. What's your solution? Right. And that's where we have to get to as a society. Um, personally, each of us and at the corporate level or in the corporate surroundings, we have to be solutions focused on how we create inclusion. It's one thing to put a Black Lives Matter uh, logo on a statement, on your email, on your website. It's another thing to put, say, processes within your talent acquisition to attract, engage, and hire Black talent. It's mm -hmm. an, one thing to make sure your, your ERG that focuses on Black and African-American support internally, externally, has a, a good portion of your, your, your fiscal year budget, right? It's, those are the things that you need to be doing. Those, those need to be your next 10 words, right? Mm. Putting things in place. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our podcast so you can receive all of the latest content as well as all of the upcoming episodes. Also, if you like what you heard on any of the previous episodes, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next week.